This evening we will be looking at Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs 5 is a, a warning against sin and the consequences of sin. Specifically, it deals with the sin of adultery, but it is applicable on a much broader scale as well. So if you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. The word of the Lord is completely sufficient. The word of the Lord is completely authoritative. And the word of the Lord is infallible and inerrant. Proverbs 5. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to shale. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give her your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline. Because of his great folly, he is led astray. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we ask, Lord, that you would use these words of warning to remind us of the great dangers of sin. That you would speak to our hearts, Lord that we would seek to glorify you in all that we do. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been going through the book of Proverbs and seeing 
the call to follow wisdom and seeing the great benefit that wisdom is and seeing also how rare wisdom is. And I can think of no better way to describe the rarity of wisdom in our day and age than to see that our day and age is marked so often by a failure to even acknowledge sin, let alone to deal with sin. It is a mark of modern society to assume that we are always in control when we are not. And so, this evening in Proverbs 5, we see a call to be wise, to see sin for what it is, and to follow the call of wisdom. Let's begin then by looking at chapters 1 through 6, excuse me, verses 1 through 6 of chapter 5. And what we see here is that sin is not what it resembles. Sin is not what it appears at first glance. And so as we think about sin, we must understand that dealing with sin requires wisdom. You see the call here, My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. And this is a real cry here from a father to a son. We've seen this before, but there is an urgency to it here. Because the father knows that his son may be on the path to destruction. Again, this is a chapter that deals with adultery, but it is a broad application. For you could supply many other sins and it would have the same descriptions. Theft, falsehood, blasphemy. The idea here is is that we must be active if we are to combat sin. Look at verse 2. Listen to me, he says, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. It is important for us to understand that we must be active in understanding and refraining from sin. And in that we must be far more than simply a no culture. It is easy to think about sin just in the context of saying no to sin. And that's important. But do you notice what verse 2 says? That you may keep discretion, that you may guard knowledge. You see, there is an active, a positive yes that we must be pursuing. We must be pursuing righteousness and godliness. If we are going to truly combat iniquity, we cannot just be no. We must also have yes. We might think about it this way. It is far more difficult for someone to fall into lying and other speech if they are marked by being a truth teller. If that is part of their being. And so, as we think about our own activities, our own following of the Lord, we must remember to be active and to seek wisdom. Because you see, sin is deceptive. It appears good. Doesn't it? In verse 3, For the lips of a woman, a forbidden woman, drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Now, sin does not come with a warning on its label. You know what I mean by that, don't you? It seems like every single product that you buy today has some sort of a warning. And it has warnings 
that you wonder why anyone would think that you should need a warning for this. Ceiling fans that have a warning on them that say, Warning! Do not lift up a child in the path of the blades. Okay? You know, sin comes the opposite way to us. It appears good. After all, we wouldn't want to sin if it didn't appear good. Isn't that right? It makes sense. And this ties right into the plans of Satan because he wants to entice us, not revolt us. He wants us to see sin as something that is good and pleasant and something to be sought after. That's why verse 3 talks about sin like honey or smooth like oil. Sin doesn't have jagged edges. As a matter of fact, if we're honest with ourselves, it's the forbidden nature of sin that adds to its appeal. Right? What is the best tasting cookie? Well, of course it's the one that you sneak before dinner. Right? Something that we want and know we shouldn't have and think we can get away with just seems all the sweeter, doesn't it? This is part of the nature of sin. This is something especially that our young people must be aware of. Because, you see, there is a great disadvantage you have when you are younger. You have not experienced the effects of the stupidity of your sin. At least not in the volume that people who are older have. It's not necessarily that your parents and grandparents are wiser, but they are older and more experienced. They know that sin is not what it seems. They've seen the jagged edges behind the smooth lines. And so when we're younger, we think that, well, they can't be that bad, can it? But it's not just young people, though, is it? All of us fall prey to this when we have new experiences, when things come to us that are new, that seem exciting and dangerous. But you see, even though sin appears good, it has a bitter side, doesn't it? Look at verse 4. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Sin always has a bitter side. In the end, that is, we might say, afterwards. There is always an afterwards. It is bitter. Sin hides that from us, doesn't it? The cost is surprising and it's harsh. This is the nature of sin. Sin is destructive. It always was so. Look at the fall. One sin that wrought devastation, pain, and death upon countless billions. We've discussed three deaths today. Four now. All as a result of one sin. Not to mention the countless of other miseries and diseases and pain and suffering that we see all from sin. The Lord gives us accounts in Scripture to warn us of this. Look at all of the broken families. Look at the desperation and pain that is born of sin. Giants of the faith like David 
like Moses, like Jacob, have brought untold pain upon themselves and their families because at first sin seemed good. Look all around you. Everywhere we look, there is something in the news. Someone who was tied up in something that they couldn't get out of. Financial misdealings. Drug abuse. Theft. And they sink deeper and deeper and deeper as sin gets its claws into them. We have to understand this because to think otherwise is to be a fool and to fool ourselves. Look at verse 6. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. When we follow the path of sin, we go along a path and we are not sure where we are going. We're not thinking. and Destruction awaits. Well, the second thing we see in verse 7 is that sin also brings ruin and regret. Look with me at verse 7. And now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Will she give your honor to others and your years to the merciless? If we search into the depths of our hearts, we will see that far too often we are trying to find the line where sin begins. We're trying to get right up to the edge of that. Not to sin, but to try and find that line. And we always say to ourselves that we can get ourselves out of sin if we get into it. But in honesty, the Scripture tells us that we should be going out of our way to avoid sin. In truth, sin is much more like a tar pit or quicksand than it is a path. We get sucked into it more and more, and the only way to combat sin is to avoid it. It is not to take it head on and think we can defeat it. And this must be done vigorously. We cannot play with sin. We cannot be cute with sin. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 2, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Our Lord Jesus Christ says, don't even look at another woman. And He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Avoid it at all costs. Because you see, sin ruins you. We see that in verse 9 and 10 and 11. It ruins your reputation. It ruins what you have worked for. It even ruins your health. There is a lack of certainty about when this will happen. We don't know the time in which this will come. Perhaps it could be that by God's patience we don't feel the full effects of our sin. It can often come on by gradual degrees. But its end is certain. And perhaps even more painful than the ruin is that sin leaves regret. Look at verse 12. You say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised Reproof. Regretted our own stupidity when we thought that we were so smart. Look at verse 13. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. Regret about our failure to listen that we have put ourselves in this place. 
and regret at our loss. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Sin ruins you. And it leaves regret. Sin is also, thirdly, the rejection of blessing. Look at verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets. Now, you see, the Scripture here is telling us that we have to understand that we are blessed and there is no need for sin. When we sin, we are saying that God has not given to us enough. At its core, sin is always a rebellion against God and His providence. And the proverb here uses a vivid image for what was more valuable in a desert land than water. And you see, the father advises his son, you have plenty of good water. Do not waste it. Realize what God has given to you. Sin comes from a failure to see the blessings that we have as a result of God. We think we need more. But why is that? It's because sin is foolishness. I have a good friend who is a budding theologian. But he is a most direct man. And one of his comments that he makes very often is he says, You know... Sin makes you stupid. And it's true. It's true from the youngest of us to the oldest of us. Look at verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? What we end up with is emptiness and loss and we are devastated by what we have lost. Sin is the rejection of the blessing of God. Fourthly and lastly, sin is always revealed. Look at verse 21. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. There is no secret place. I think in our modern day and age, we can understand this concept of God's omniscience a bit better than perhaps our forebears. There is another saying. The internet never forgets. Google never forgets. If you write or do or put something stupid on the internet, it can be found a decade later. If you delete it, it can still be found. If the server that had it was deleted or is gone, it can still be found. There is no escape from it. This is, I think, a picture of what it is like, the folly of thinking that we can sin in secret and the Lord doesn't see it. You see, the power of sin is the pretense of secrecy. It's that we think we're in control and we have it handled and no one else needs to know. But this shows the folly of sin. Because God always knows. The Lord always sees everything. But not only that, He knows us in and out. And sin is its own prison. 
You know, it's interesting. The worst part about sin is not a punishment for sin, but sin in itself is a punishment. Look at verse 22. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for a lack of discipline. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. The worst punishment for sin is not external to us. It is to be given over to sin. This should tell you something about the nature of sin. Well, what can we do then? We're knowledgeable of our own sin. The most righteous among us realize that each and every day we sin in thought word, and deed. To know that it is always revealed, to know that it is a rebellion against God, to know that it brings ruin and regret, what can we do? Well, the Proverbs had the answer. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. And we have to understand that this is in the context of the book of Proverbs. He's not just saying, listen to my good advice. Listen to what will get you through life. You remember what wisdom is. Better, you remember who wisdom is. And you see, the answer for our sin is not to think that we are somehow immune, not to think that we can handle it, not to think that we can push it down but to know that we are hopeless and know that we find our answer in God's wisdom, in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who always said no to sin and who provides for us the power that we need to truly reject sin. If this evening you have regret for your past life, You need to know that Satan wants you to dwell upon that. He wants you to be ruined by it. He wants you to be saddened by it. The Lord Jesus Christ wants you to understand the gravity of sin and the consequences of sin, and as a result, flee from it and flee to Him. For He welcomes you with open arms. No matter what you have done, what you have said, He is there to accept you by His grace. By faith in Jesus Christ, we can know the true rejection of sin and the joy of righteousness. This is the wisdom of God. Let's pray.